0: Just a quick reminder before we get into today's podcast as well, I'm giving away an entry into a half Ironman race anywhere in the world. I'll pay for you to enter. All you need to do to find out more is text the word IRONMAN to 44222 and I will send you all the details. That's if you are in the United States, the word IRONMAN to 44222 Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll pop your text back with all the details. Or if you'd like to head over to our website, it's thekonaedge.com forward slash win and And yeah, giving something back. If uh, you become a patron of the show, you get into the draw to win that entry. Entries close on the 30th of June 2017. And we're going to be giving away an entry every single month until the end of this year. So uh, for every dollar you pledge, uh, you get one entry into the draw. SMS, text the word IRONMAN to double four triple two, or head over to com forward slash win.
1: This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island.
0: Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, we have another South African guest on, another one of my country people. Uh, and it's uh, yeah great to be able to welcome her onto the podcast. Uh, I've followed her career for a long, long time. She's been a very competitive triathlete uh, across the various distances here in South Africa. Uh, and not just triathlete, she's raced uh, competitive bicycles as well uh, in the cycling uh, space. So, yeah, very, very cool to have uh, Rihanna Robertson on today's podcast to share her Kona journey. Journey. before we get into that though just a massive thank you once again to everyone who is supporting the Kona Edge by becoming a patron if you haven't uh, considered supporting us I really would appreciate it just head over to the forward slash support and get all the details uh, there. So uh, that's thekonaedge.com forward slash support. Every single cent helps, I have to tell you. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's starting to add up and it's really starting to move the needle and make a difference and help us cover the costs of uh, putting this podcast on and and sort of help growing the sport that we all love so much. But enough about me yakking on. Let's touch base with the Coach's Corner first and then we head to our chat with Rihanna (laughs) It's time for today's Coach's Corner. If you're an athlete looking for a coach, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, we've got access to some of the best triathlon and Ironman coaches around. If you'd like to find out more, uh, hook up with one of our coaches, whether you need help with a swim, bike, run, or nutrition, all you have to do is head over to theconeedge.com forward slash coaching. You can get all the details there. Check out all the coaches that uh, we've got access to. And don't forget, too, if you are a coach and you would like to get access to uh, the podcast and get uh, a bit of a plug on the podcast, all you have to do is head over to that same URL, Okay, It's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can get all the details there. So that's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. head to uh, just north of Johannesburg in South Africa to uh, a city called Pretoria to touch base with our next guest. And it's uh, great to have another South African uh, on the podcast once again. We don't chat to too many of them, but uh, a great pleasure to welcome uh, our next guest onto the show, uh, Rihanna Robertson. Rihanna, welcome onto uh, the Cone Edge. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you, Brad. It's it's been a little bit of a wish. I can get onto your show one day, so this is almost like a little bit of a dream come true. Um, so thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, you're too kind, Rihanna. You you are way too kind. I, I I think I dream of Kona more than you dream of getting onto the Kona Edge. I can tell you that much. But
1: let's talk. <laughs> let, let's
0: talk a little bit about uh, you.
1: Oh, thanks. I suppose when you do the one, you want to do the other one. So it's like a progressive growing into something else.
0: <laughs> Sadly, I think there's more chance of people getting on the Kona heads than me getting to Kona, if I have to be brutally honest. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Let, let's talk a little bit about you and, and your sort of journey into the sport. Have you, growing up, were you always sporty? Has sport played a, a massive part in your life?
1: It has. Um, I grew up in a little town called Bethlehem in the Eastern Free State. And I was always involved in cross-country and netball, I actually played provincial netball at school and provisional cross-country and athletics. And um, I was about 16 and I got exposed to my first Ironman event uh, where one of my dad's friends participated in Van Park. And I was just intrigued by this sport of swimming, biking and running.
0: Well, Rihanna, I, I'll get back to that in a second, but you are going to laugh. Uh, I, I grew up, I grew up in the free states as well. Funnily enough, uh, in in, really? a, in a little town called Virginia. And oh, wow. we, we have a major Bethlehem connection and I, I don't know if I should actually admit this in public, but we used to go on holiday oh. to Bethlehem, like the, the big lights of Bethlehem, uh Loch Athlone, I think it's called the dam that's <laughs> that's in Bethlehem. We used to spend three yep. weeks there a year. That was our family holiday. So I know Bethlehem okay, very, very well. Uh I, I don't think I've ever been back since those holidays, but uh yeah, I, I know exactly where it is. It's a it's a quaint little town to say the least. But uh yeah. yeah. L- <laughs> Let's talk about that exposure. That that first exposure to Iron Man was that where the seed was planted, and you said, "You know what? I have to do this."
1: Yeah, look, I was still very young, and I was sixteen. Um, and at those days, the Iron beans it was called the Funabel Ultra. Um, they could, the athletes could have a second who was able to run or cycle with them. And um, because I knew when Clint, who was my dad's mate, who was doing it, I got to run 12Ks of his last 12Ks of the event actually with him. And um, I was just, like I said, I was just intrigued and I was fascinated about how how these three sports fit into one. And um, just started reading up and started, you know, how am I going to do this coming from Bethlehem? And we actually started with the 5FM Energate series, which was the first race in Blue Fontaine. And I think I was 17 or 18 then. And um, just went from the one little event to the other little event. And I remember still, I think my dad's got it on VCR tape somewhere, where I'm backstroking into the reeds, into the bushes, and all sorts of crazy triathlon stories that people don't believe if I tell them about them now. But um, I think I've, I've just always been intrigued by it, and it's a very passionate sport. And I think that's what hooked me.
0: Were you were you good straight up? I mean, you talk about swimming into the reeds. <laughs> it, it sounds. <laughs> I want to see that video first of all. We need to get that on YouTube. But uh, <laughs> were you were you pretty good from the start?
1: Um, I was I was a very good runner back at school, actually, which you wouldn't say now. Um, I've, I've lost a little bit of my running abilities, and the cycling has always come very naturally. Growing up in Bethlehem, um, unfortunately, swimming is not a big sport or school sport there. And you referred to Loch Afrode earlier, which, which we actually used to go. My, my mom used to take me to two dams because um, there was a little 30 meter indoor pool in Bethlehem. And then I used to swim in the open water dams. Um, sport was the one. the other one was like afloat and my mom used to drive a little uno back and she actually used to drive next to the dams as i was swimming in the dams so swimming has always been quite challenging for me because i didn't have that as growing up um but it actually turned out quite well I, i tend to be a good swimmer now in south african triathlon ranks um, but I didn't have that as growing up. And I think my swimming really came came along when I went to the high performance center at the University of Pretoria. And I got to spend some time with some good coaches there um, who really helped me. And I think I was really lucky in a way that I've got a fairly good technique. Um, we always say swimming is physics 101. That, that I was able to take that and take that into a swimming career
0: for triathlon. Yeah, absolutely. And and then the, making the step up, I, I love the fact that you started on the shorter ones when you were younger and, and sort of worked your way through the different distances. So often I, I chat to to age groupers who who see an Ironman and think, gee, that'll be nice. And that's the first mm-hmm. triathlon they ever enter is an Ironman. And I'm putting my hand up because that was me. I, uh, my first exposure was an Ironman and I was like, I want to do that. And mm-hmm. it, it's probably not the best way to go about it. You want that slow progression where you where you can sort of find your feet in in the sport. Are you glad you, you did it that
1: way? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were very lucky as 18, 19, 20 year olds that there there was the you know the BSG and the five FM energy aid series. And it got us to compete around the country against all the different um, I mean Dominique Donna was dominating at that time and she was a real idol for me growing up. We got to race with Kate Roberts, Andrea Stein. I mean there's a whole range of us that that used to come through that ranks that had the exposure of doing little shorter races. And um, I think it, it lifted the competitive edge for the South Africans back then as well. Um, but definitely, I think, I wish we can get that series back. Um, it was just, it was so brilliant to be able, you know, we, we really town hop from every week from the one town to the next town and just meet up with it. It's a little bit like a triathlon family that formed from that era.
0: Yeah, I mean, the South African Triathlon Fraternity is a, a very tight-knit fraternity. It's not, it's not massive, uh, and everyone does does know each other, which is which is pretty cool. And you mentioned those short sort of series, and it's the countries around the world that have those sort of short sprint series that, that, that produce great triathletes time after time. And, and, and my concern, and I'm sure you, you will echo this, particularly here in South Africa, is we don't have one of those short-distance series at the moment. The, the biggest races are the ultras. Uh, Ironman put on, on three great events here in South Africa, they've got two seventy point threes 70.3s in the full in Nelson Mandela Bay. There's a, a couple of other series that, that are, are half Iron Man distance. We don't really have uh, the shorter stuff for people to sort of get their feet wet, so to speak, and, and that's a massive concern.
1: That, that's the thing. And, and since I've, I've finished my, my my racing, if I can call it, call it like that, because I'm only racing very um, casually and enjoying the sport and so forth. But I've been very involved with Triathlon South Africa and trying to get some juniors up. And I've been assisting the juniors on some junior tours overseas and um, working with Kate Roberts and Neil McPherson and the whole bunch of TSAs. So we're really trying to get the juniors up on a, train, a racing platform. And um, – you know, the biggest, we started introducing a junior tour, um, so I was lucky enough to take the juniors to Hungary and to the Netherlands last year. And they're planning to take a group again this year. Um, so it's very good for them to get that type of exposure and take them overseas so they can get used to the type of racing, which is very different to the South African racing style. Um, and I mean, like you mentioned, if you open up the calendar at the moment, there's a lot of ultra events, which is great for the people interested in that, but. I really missed that that 5FM Junior Series. Um, It was really, it was the exposure from it was brilliant. Teams formed from that, sponsorship formed from that. Um, I remember I was a student. I used to race for the Nestle team. And, you know, I would get my funding for the whole year um, from that series. And I was able to actually go to Europe and race the Bundesliga in Germany from the prize money I generated from that. So it just opened up so many doors going forward.
0: Yeah, it is. It is vital to have something like that. But let's let's talk about the the step up to the long stuff. You, you obviously race the the shorter stuff. You you were good at it, and not that you weren't good at the longer stuff as well. But for for an athlete that's very competitive, it's a it's a big decision to 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 go into the ultras because uh, it, it's a it's a big step up. I mean, let's be honest. Racing a sprint or or an Olympic distance, moving from that to a half Ironman distance or to a full Ironman distance is massive
1: um yeah no no it's also a bit of a mindset change um but I think for me it was the right choice at the right time I actually did my first Ironman in 2010 which was a little bit early I think but I purely did it for the sake of going to enjoy it and see what Ironman's all about um I think I was 25th overall in in the male female category in my age group and apparently I was fourth if I remember in my um, my female category and someone still phoned me the next day. It's like, why did not you go to slot allocation? Why weren't you at slot allocation? Cause apparently they rolled down to me. And um, back then I was so naive. I was like, what's the slot allocation. <laughs> so I didn't know really what it was about back then um, because my mind was still so set on sprint racing and faster, shorter stuff. And um, I think I came to a bit of my own where I'm a little bit more of a diesel engine. So I'm able to keep a fairly hard pace for a longer period of time and not being able to run shorter, faster, quicker stuff. So I think I think I made the move at the right time. And um, the, the race format certainly fits me a little bit bigger, better than, than the shorter, faster stuff. I'm also a bit of a more bigger, bone-structured girl than most of the other triathletes. So I think the strength that comes into the longer racer distance definitely play to my advantage.
0: Rana, what do you, what do you love about Ironman? I mean, it's, it's a long day. Yeah. There's so much that can go wrong. I don't think anyone ever has the perfect race because there's always things that you can improve on. But for you, what, that distance, what do you, what do you love about it?
1: Sure. I just think it's the camaraderie, you know, the training, um, the mindset, the, the actual event, the people on the race day cheering you on. I mean, we all speak about that magical red carpet moments. And I don't think you can really explain that emotion and feeling that you're going through um, to someone who hasn't done it before. So I think it's more more the... The, the extras that go with the events you know the cheering the people the the motivation and i think that that's the big part that drives me about it
0: and let, let's talk about when you eventually did get that slot to kona how, how long after i mean you, you talk about getting a roll down or an opportunity on roll down that you weren't even aware of in in 2010 when did when did the seed actually get planted that you know what uh, we now know what it is and it's a viable <laughs> option it's something yeah. something i want to chase tell tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah. So it's actually silly because like I mentioned, in 2010, I was all about sprints and fast and, you know, Olympic distance races and and the mindset changed. So I was actually watching Ironman World Champs 2013. Um, we did, we watched the live streaming at home and um, my coach who still actually helps me. And he's also a bit of my coaching mentor, Neil phoned me about six, seven o'clock that night. And he's like, you know, Adriana, I've I've really been thinking, but I really think you should try and qualify for Kona next year. And I was like, that's a damn good idea. Let's, 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 you know, let's try that. Um, And then obviously I entered for Ironman 2014 in Port Elizabeth, um, but nothing went according to plan. I got German measles two weeks before the race, um, which obviously isn't ideal if you're trying to go and, top podium at your, your, your age group or try and qualify for Kona, but I got the go ahead to go and race. Um, and I was fourth at Ironman South Africa, which I was very lucky I think to get. And, um, I was also I also got in like a backdoor slip to go to Kona because of the roll down system that they had. So I was, I think, I was very lucky to get in. And like I say, and I mean, you've mentioned it early before. Nothing really goes according to plan, but it's what you make out of it. Um, I just said, you know what? I've paid for everything. I've trained two weeks before the race. You know, you really can't really change the outcome of the work that you've already done. And um, I just went and tried the best I could do on race day despite having measles two weeks before.
0: That's crazy. I mean, that uh, as far as, I mean, you obviously didn't, I mean, I don't want to say you, you must have felt okay to to be able to put in a performance like that. But, I mean, the disappointment of of realizing that, you know what, you put in all this hard work two weeks before when you you should be be sort of really considering the taper uh, and something like that hits. It's uh, How do you deal with disappointments like that? I mean, it happens to all of us.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that it was two weeks before um, – was probably not a bad thing and, and i say this with respect to the bigger picture of things. Um You know, you're going into taper, you can't really train that hard. I knew, I mean, we, we were doing 20 to 25 hours of training leading up to Kona. Um, Neil was really pushing me and I mean, we were really, really working hard. So I knew basically that, you know, what it, it's all going to come down on how I feel on the day and We've done the work. Um, It's more a case of now just, you know, making peace with with what's happened. There's nothing you can change about it. And just going on the day and giving the best you got. Um, Ironically enough, on race day, I didn't feel quite great. I was was like nostalgic. Like the body didn't really want to respond. Um, But you know what? That's just... I suppose it's part of racing and maybe because I've been racing for so many years, you just, you know, try and block it out and put it in the back of your head and you deal with business as you should on race day.
0: Rihanna, let's, let's talk about Kona and and that build up to Kona. Obviously you, you've been racing for a while before then and you, and you had things pretty much dialed in. Did you change anything? Uh, I know we've spoken to a couple of South Africans and, and training after Ironman South Africa, which is, uh, very late in our season because we're in the mm-hmm. southern hemisphere. It's very early in the the sort of northern hemisphere season. But race, but training and 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 pretty much through winter to 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 get to Kona, although it starts warming up uh, a bit before before Kona, was was that a major challenge for you?
1: Um, it was, Brad. And you know, we up north, we're a little bit soft when it comes to cold weather. <laughs> Even though I did grow up in Bethlehem, um, so. I tried to approach the race and make my environment very similar to what race they would be. And that, that certainly paid off. So I would get home on a, on a afternoon three o'clock, and then I'd have a three hour bike set waiting for me. And to go out there on the road where it's going to get dark, it's going to get cold was just not an option. So I used to sit on the indoor trainer, um, ride the virtual route of Kona do my sets on that with a heater on in the middle of, of the room. Um, to make it as hot and humid as possible as I can, and um, just try and adapt to as much as I can get from from home to to the race circumstances. Um, I used to change my instead of doing early morning runs, I used to do midday runs um, to try and get used to the heat as much of bit as I can. But you know what? It's, it's these are the cards that you dealt with, and you try and make the best as you can from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I love the fact that you had, had done this sort of route simulation. That I mean c- coming into Kona, that that must have given you a lot of confidence and and on race they almost felt familiar.
1: It did. It it turned out the virtual trainer was um, very similar than the actual actual route. It was a bit of a mindset to get myself to sit on the indoor trainer three times a week for 3 hours, but um we got it done in the end. And um you know what, it's just that little bit of, you know, there's a climb coming. You can actually see what good of the tree looks around you. Oh, there's that rock and there's this. And, you know, you're going to get ready for the climb that's coming or the long downhill. Of course, nothing can prepare you for the Kona winds or the Kona heat, um, which plays a big, big factor on race day. But I think coming from where I am, I was the best mentally and physically prepared for what to come on race day you
0: you also i know in your, your post race report spoke about the, the sort of side shows and and everything that's going on the the distraction of all of that i know you arrived about 10 days before before race day which is is ideal i mean the longer you can get there ahead of time the, the better but but how how difficult is it to stay focused knowing that what you're there for and do do you go into it with the case of, you know what, I might never come back here, I'm going to race this thing as hard as I can, or is it an experience and we see what happens on on race day? How do you get that balance right?
1: Um, You know what, Brad, I'm very focused when it comes to a certain goal that I have, and I think that's also a reason why I'm struggling to get, not struggling to get back to racing, but trying to race competitively in my age group, is that when I do something, I try and do it as, as best as I can. So we knew that we were there, we were in Hawaii, which is like, hello, this is the mega tourism sit place of all places in the world. and But we also knew there was a job to do. So we kind of divided our days into – there's two things that we didn't miss. That was the Parade of Nations and then obviously the underpants run. Um, but, but other than that, we really tried. We wouldn't walk – to places we drive to places we drink as much and hydrate as much as we can before in the morning and the afternoons and you know just try and stay out of the sun but we were quite focused on what the job was um as you would have known my goal was to be top 10 in my age group which i unfortunately didn't achieve so i'll have to go back for that one day but um i think we were very focused we knew what we had to do and and we didn't we didn't go wow well. we didn't go ro- uh, go haywire, if I can put it like that. We did a little bit of fun, but obviously keeping focus on what we were supposed to do there. You,
0: you talk about not making the, the top 10, you, you just missed it. And I mean, there's always, I think every Ironman leaves you with some f- unfinished business. And, and you mentioned that maybe one day you'll go back and, and, and try and do that. Is that gnawing at you? do you feel like you know what you you are better than than the position you finished in and you you are a are worthy of a top ten is it is it there all the time or is it a case of you know what if that opportunity crops up later we'll 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 cross that bridge then
1: in the back of my mind i I really really would like to go back um but then again you you're only as good as you are on race day that that's the fact and that's what I tell my athletes as well you know what this was the test and you're as good as your last race um so, so it's a very different mindset to, to, to try and get to. I'd really like to go back. I missed that. I was 12, so I missed it with literally two minutes. Um, and it was also, there's a few things I might change. I made some rookie errors on race day that, that obviously can make a big difference. Um, but um, I, I'd definitely like to go back and see if I can get that top 10 slot.
0: Let's talk about those errors, because uh, I don't think they're exclusive to just Kona. I mean, everyone, everyone I think, can learn from the mistakes that you, you did make. What what were some of those uh, things that you did that you, in hindsight, realized were, like you say, rookie mistakes?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the biggest, well, there's actually a few things. Uh, one was, and we're going to touch on nutrition a bit as well, but one was a nutrition error I made. But in the beginning of the race, um, because it's not like Ironman South Africa where you start on, on the, the side. You actually spread the water for a few minutes before the actual race starts. And I got to the water a little bit late, um, forgetting that everyone else is as eager as I am to get this race going and to try to do the best that they can do on race day. And after all, it is Will Chance. Um, and by the time I got to the water, I was ready in the fourth female row Um and it just ended up not having any clear water for the whole race because I was fighting to get space. I actually got kicked in the ribs. My ribs were bruised the day afterwards. Um, all the other girls and females were fighting for their position. So that that's obviously, you know, I'm a fairly good swimmer. I was hoping for a 58-minute swim on race day, which ended up being an hour four minutes, which is still not bad. But, you know, those are small things that I'd like to correct one day. And – um by the time I got to the start, there were so many girls already in front of me that there just wasn't space to go. Um, and then trying to make up and trying to get to the front, I went out the first kilometer at a minute 18 pace, which is which is quite fast for me. Um, I was bargaining on like a one minute 23, one minute 24 pace. So I basically blew by the halfway side of the, which is in the beginning of the race at the turnaround at the the boat. So I had to just relax and get back down into river, which obviously resulted in having a six minute slower swim than planned. Um, but, but that's, that's unfortunate. Like I say, that's what happens on race day. And um, the second big mistake I made is, the last twenty kilometers of the cycle, there's no more water points going back into the town of Kuluakona, and my nutrition was finished. Now, twenty kilometers is roughly equal to half an hour, um, so I was just like, "Oh, I need to get home. Why am I so thirsty? Why, why isn't this working for me?" And I, you know, you've got all sorts of things going through your head then. Um, But luckily, when I got back into T2 and head out for the run, I quickly hydrated and it didn't seem to affect me that much. But I'm sure it would have made a difference on the day um, with results. And like I say, that top 10 position, those two things might have had vital errors, but you'll never know.
0: Yeah, exactly And and I mean as much as those are two things uh, the, the sort of uh, water start and, and no water points The last 20k's on that route it, It's important, first of all Not to, to go out too fast in, in, in a race Particularly an Ironman Because it's a long day and, and make sure you know Where the, the refreshment stops are uh, On, on the, yes. the route doesn't matter what race you're doing So there's some, some big lessons to be learned there Rihanna, mm-hmm. as far as the, If I say the word Kona what, what emotions, what thoughts Does it conjure up in you? Um
1: I think phew, it's a difficult one, but it's a little bit of I'm sad in a way because you don't get to go back or I suppose you could go back everywhere and you, you're you not sure you want to go back, but you're not sure if that's going to be a reality because of the qualification standards. And I really think every year is getting a little bit more difficult to qualify for these type of races because everyone's just getting so much better and faster. Um, so there's a little bit of sadness not knowing if I will really qualify to go back again. But then there's also excitement that I knew I had the best race I've ever had. I I smashed my Ironman PB, which not a lot of people get to do in Kona. Um, And the fact that I was able to share it with my husband who was there and just we made a lot of friends. And it's a happy place. It really is this magical Hawaiian island. And everyone speaks about the Hawaiian gods. And when you speak to them beforehand without not being there, you're like, what are these people on But it really, it's a magical place. And um, so there's a little bit of mixed emotions that goes with it.
0: I have to chuckle because Disney World's known as the happiest place on earth. I think Cone (laughs) is the happiest place on earth for triathletes. It's the Disney World of triathlon, I think. Uh, (laughs) Rihanna, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned out of the sport of triathlon?
1: Never to give up, Brad. Um, My mom and I always used to joke, and I'm not changing the subject a bit, but But I was born in 83. So 83 was always, if you think about it, Kate Roberts was born in 83. Andrea Stain was born in 83. So it's like there was something happening that year. And it's a very competitive age group. Um, And in effect, I came to my own by doing Ironman races. And I never gave up on this passion of triathlon that I had. And I think that's the biggest life lesson from it.
0: I love that. Yeah, there was obviously something in the water in, in 83, no, no doubt about <laughs> oh. it. You, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that you sort of, not battling, but you, you're struggling to get back into racing. Is, is that one of the things you you sort of grappling with at the moment? What are some of the things you're working on right now? What are you battling with?
1: So I think the biggest challenge for me is when I came back from Kona, I started focusing more on my own coaching career Um and time obviously is a big issue. So I kind of had to give my own racing a little bit on, on the benchmark and just put it on the shelf for now. And then also knowing what it takes to get to Kona and knowing what it took for me to have that absolute phenomenal race is there's a lot of effort that needs to go in that. And, um, you know, when, when I want to race, I don't just want to go and – You know, tick the box. And yes, it's passionate, and I still train every day, and I love the sports and the people. But I don't want just going to have bucket list events. You know, I really want to go be the best that I can be um, on race. And I think that's the biggest challenge I need to work with in my head is not having the the efficient time um, as much to put in what I used to put in and trying to make the best of that. So, yeah.
0: You mentioned knowing what it takes to get to Kona. What is the secret to qualifying? What What are you somebody listening to this going? You know what? I'd love to do that, but I don't know how. Like, what are the characteristics? What's the sort of workload? What What's the secret to getting to the Big Island?
1: I think the biggest is do your research. Um, so I get athletes coming to me and saying, oh, they want to qualify for Kona. And then we look at where they are and what they need to do and what the people around them are doing. What sort of watts do you need to put out? What type of swimming times you need to be swimming? Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Know, do your research. Know what you're in for um, before you almost decide to go for it. Um, the biggest training factor is consistency. It, it comes down that every day you need to go do a little bit of work. Obviously, you've got rest days and recovery and a lot of people forget about that most important vital part that actually makes part of your training program. You know, when you're training 20, 25 hours a week, um, recovery is absolutely important. But the biggest thing is do your research and be consistent in what you do. And with that, you're almost halfway there.
0: Fantastic. What's what's next on the cards for you? I mean, are you, you you mentioned you're still racing, but you're not like going full tilt? What's what's the sort of plan for for you from a, a a racing perspective? What do you still want to achieve in the sports? That sort of thing.
1: Well, obviously, like I mentioned, I'd like to go back to Kona. Um, I've actually entered for seventy point three Durban, which is in a few weeks' time. Um, I only entered last week's Sunday, so it's like six weeks out of the race. (laughs) But I have been training for it. Um, I tore my calf muscle in March, so that kind of put me back to square one. And then I wasn't sure how training was going to go leading up to it. Like I mentioned, I'm still competitive at heart. Um, So I didn't want to enter for something if I wasn't completely sure I was going to do it. And then I'd like to see if I can get a slot for 70.3 PE, which is world champs in 2018. Um so Durban will be the first step to that. And that's obviously sh- short term goals. But um I think long term will will be to go back to Kona. Ironically enough, my husband and I we were watching we lot watch a lot of YouTube videos and we were watching nineteen eighty two when I think the first wine Iron Man Kona was held. And um I said to him, no, you know what, I really want to go back to that place. So that's obviously still a long-term goal.
0: I love that. I was reading an article, funnily enough, this morning uh, about suffering uh, and the ability to suffer and, and uh, that's what separates sort of good athletes from the great athletes. Your, your sort of ability to suffer, how, how high would you, would you rate it? Do you reckon you're one of those that's just mentally extremely tough? Do you think that's one of your strengths?
1: I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> I am... Um... Yeah, I think, I think, you know, like I mentioned, Neil really pushed me hard in my training programs. And then I would open up this training ground. She's like, how do you want me to run 25Ks in the middle of the week and then cycle three hours on my indoor trainer? But, you know, I'm just one of those people who, if that's what you need to do, you just put your head down and do it. Um, I don't know if you've ever read um, Chris McCormack's book. He talks about embracing the suck. Yeah and that's exactly what it is just you know deal with it get over it recover and move on
0: yeah uh, put on your big girl pants and off you go that's uh, that's one of my favorite sayings and uh off, yeah it's it's one of those things you just gotta you gotta live with it uh get comfortable with being uncomfortable i guess Run no, it no, work wise and family life and, and getting that juggle right that's something a lot of age groupers really struggle with you mentioned the, the sort of workload 20 odd hours 20 plus hours how do you deal with it tell, tell me about your work situation you, you obviously married uh, how do you how do you get that balance and juggle right
1: i think for me i had a great support structure when i was trying to qualify and training for kona we basically work a full day job at a high school from seven to three o'clock in the day and um, so i have a lot of um compassion for people who work and have doesn't have time and with that i've got my coaching company and then trying to train and tr- will try try to train back then um I had a lot of support. Like my husband would get up in the mornings with me. He'd do the indoor cycle. He'd do the runs with me. Um, he doesn't do swimming. So unfortunately, I was on my own on that one. I'm trying very hard for him to do his first triathlon. Um, so if he hears this, this might motivate him. Um, but but I had a great support structure. And um, I think that, that was also the big key to what I got to do. And um, Anna Watkinson actually sent me a message, I think two years ago, and she said, what, what did I do for Kona? How did I ace, you know, that type of perfect race? And I said, you know what, I, I stuck to my program and I played Tetris with my time. And um, it's hard because you don't want to neglect your family. They obviously come first. You don't want to neglect your work because that pays the bills. Um, and you can't neglect your training because that's the own goal. And I, said, I remember saying to her, you know what, a, a day was like playing Tetris, um, just trying to fit in all these different um, things that needed to be done.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to to describe it actually, because uh, and it's one thing that a lot of age groupers do struggle with. And uh, again, it's uh, I think there's a few things that that go into being able to to do this and do it competitively, and and, and that plays a big part is is getting that. Sometimes sometimes your life is going to be out of whack, but uh, yeah, you've got to figure it out for, for you and, and everyone's different. I think that's the key as well. Rihanna, it's been great catching up. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I look forward to chatting about the, the individual disciplines next time out, but we'll save that uh, for next week. Thanks for 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 your time today.
1: Thanks, Brad.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Kona Edge and thanks to Rihanna as well for sharing her journey and it's uh, in the sand now the line is drawn uh, going back to Kona some stage Uh, (laughs) it's on the it's on the net now Rihanna you have to Uh, you've mentioned it you've planted the seed now we just need to know when it's happening but uh, yeah thank you so much for listening if you haven't left us an iTunes review yet don't forget we are giving away an entry uh, into an Ironman race once again if you'd like to qualify leave us uh, a review on iTunes it helps us get in front of more people and uh, spread the message of uh, what we're trying to to do here at TKE and all you have to do is head over to the Kona edge forward slash win uh, and leave uh, your details there and you are in the draw it's as simple as that until tomorrow from myself Brad Brown cheers
1: we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona edge don't forget to connect with us on social media simply search for the Kona edge